Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast proudly presents Hardcore Lady Quotes. Quotes of inspiration, empowerment, and rebellion, chosen, recorded, and read by my kid. We must never take the public's trust for granted. Our predecessors worked hard to earn it, and it is our responsibility to continually earn that trust. Sally Yates. Welcome to Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. We are on episode five. We're already halfway home to the finale of the show. I'm kind of sad. It just seems like yesterday that uh, we started our little podcast, and here we are, halfway through. That's what happens when you have short seasons for everything. And they dump three episodes on you in the first week, right? Uh, so thank you for downloading and enjoying the show. Always feel free to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I believe you're on all three of those. And uh, you can get... What? Why are you laughing at me? Because I'm not sure. All right, sorry, sorry. We are on all three of those social media platforms, so feel free to give us some feedback. We are always eager to hear what you think. Uh, Wanted to thank everyone who entered our Twitter contest this week to give away the framed print from Nate Jones Designs of the off-red. Well, I guess would you say bonnet with Mm -hmm. the uh, words from the book Uh, that was won by our Twitter, (laughs) one of our Twitter friends at Pizzarinas. Which is, uh, I love the Twitter handle names. They're always my favorite. Phenomenal. So Pizza Renus won the, yes. Also, if you like that art from Nate Jones Design, be sure yes. to go check out more things. He's Sorry, on I should have said that. Like, I apologize. Great stuff. If you like that one, you will love his site uh, and his prints are for sale. Yes, his Those prints are, his prints are for sale on his Etsy page, which we have a link to on Twitter. I'll put it up on our uh, Facebook page as well. I think it should still be there. So definitely check it out. That print is for sale, as well as the special bonus print that I didn't post online that hopefully once Pizza Arena gets it, she will send a picture to everybody because it's fantastic. I also wanted to say that we are going to have a new contest this week because our friends over at the Feminist Press sent us some swag and some books to give away. We will have copies of Black Wave by Michelle T. Uh, Since I Laid My Burden Down by Brontes Purnell. The Crunk Feminist Collection by the Crunk Feminist Collective which I know is one of the titles that Rhea is very excited to check yes. out. And we also have tote bags. So basically we're going to give away one book with one tote bag. Uh, the tote bags are for their new queer imprint, Amethyst Editions. So we'll have more details on how you guys can win that probably within the next few days. But uh, we want to thank the Feminist Press for doing the interview last week with Lauren Hook and for sending us some stuff that we can give away. So hopefully uh, you guys will enter that and try and win that and we'll get it to you. Uh, Twitter feedback. We've had a lot of feedback, mostly from Twitter. That's kind of where I find that people are the most interactive. So, uh, when they say everything they're thinking, yeah, everything yeah. just comes out yeah, of their head. And true. what is it, 140 characters? Yeah, sometimes it's like or less. At 6 a.m. every morning. What are you saying? Do you tweet at 6 a.m.? No. I might. Some people do. There's occasionally. some very powerful people that do. Oh, oh, I see where you're going. It's when there. people make their best Twitter decisions. No, no bad Twitter decisions are made at uh, 6 a.m. in the morning. May want to lay off. Well, let's just be real. Some people should not have Twitter. <laughs> That's true. So we've had a lot of feedback and um, wanted to thank everyone who's been enjoying our podcast and checking us out on the social media. I have had a couple people find, uh, this week that did give us some feedback. I actually direct messaged them to uh, see you know, how have you been enjoying the show, what do you like, what do you not like. Uh, so I did want to talk about this. This is, a, this is my tweet of the week. Not that that's a feature, but I'm making it one for this show. Uh, this is from at that drunk girl eighty six, and this was the quote. All right, and I didn't tell them this earlier because I wanted to see the look on their face. No spoilers. <clears throat> really enjoying the coverage, but the guys need to get woke. 
We're doing our best. Here. Come on, ladies. Fantastic job! Exclamation point. <laughs> and so, uh, for those of you that don't know, and now you know, I do most of the Twitter work. So when I see a tweet that says the guys need to get woke, um, I, I kind of was like, oh, I thought I was kind of woke. I just like to say that Justin is more woke every yeah. day. I gotta say that too. Like Justin is one of my most woke male friends. True story. I felt uh, I felt like I, I was. True story. A lot. By the, a lot. The the tweeters. Well, apparently, at least one of them didn't think so. And so I, I I told her, you know, I messaged her back, and I forget what I said, but I, at the end of it, I said, "Hey, message me. I have some questions because she had obviously listened to the show, so I wanted some feedback because I'm always curious because you know you throw it out there and you don't know what people think. What? What did I say? Was it double entendre? I hope it was. No, I just love I just love the constant vigilance, right? Like. Like, keep yourself to a high standard. That could be I, Justin's middle name. Yes. Oh, that's true. Constant vigilance. <laughs> so, she messaged me back and was like, absolutely. And so, we were we were talking, I just asked her about how she found the show, what she thought, and uh, she seemed to like almost everything that we do. So, I did ask her as my last question, um, what do I need to get more woke on? Good call. Because I wanted to know. Because, yes. again, I felt fairly woke. But maybe I was asleep. And that's a sign of being woke is that you want to be more woke. There you go. Uh, And so she brought up the discussion about these girls getting... uh, Girls. Ha! That's another conversation about (laughs) June and Moira when they went into the coffee shop and the the lady wasn't there and they got called sluts by the guy who was obviously one of the sons of Jacob guy. And she said that we had started talking about it and how you guys had talked about how there was nothing you hadn't heard before and me and Jason were kind of like, huh... That's uh, not a thing we deal with, but then it got cut off and we didn't really get to talk about it very much. So I apologize for that uh. not being further expounded upon, um, but that was one of the things she pointed out. And then also, I'm referring to this as the uh, between her legs vagina incident of two weeks ago when we were talking about Avglin's genital mutilation, as it were. Yeah. And instead of saying vagina, I said between her legs. Uh, yeah. yes. I said and vagina and you look kind of uncomfortable. I was not uncomfortable. And I was going to say this, that my not saying that is more for not knowing the comfort level of everybody else in the room. So I'm just trying fair to uh, play it safe, which I don't do very often, as you know. I feel point. like you know us well enough to know that we would openly say yeah. vagina in a crowded room yeah. and not blink. Yeah. In fact, have a discussion about whether vagina or vulva was like the more accurate term in this yeah, case. True. We can true. go there. Go there. We can get in detail about, yeah, parts. It's a thing. Well, I can too, and that's the weird Everybody thing. Everybody should be talk- comfortable like saying I'm, the word vagina, and I, because we talk about dudes' dicks in public all yes. the time. Everybody gets super comfortable with talking about vaginas. Time out. <laughs> I've been in public with both of you multiple times. Oh, I don't mean we oh. sitting at this table. Society, I mean, society, America. Yes. I was going to say about, America talks about dicks. All the time. It happened in a presidential debate, folks. Oh, that's mm, true. Fair point. All right. Well, from now on, I'm totally vagina fluent. I'm all about there it. You go. Hashtag. Good Hashtag job. vagina, vagina fluent. fluent. We're making that a thing. Cool. Help turn other men for us. Turn feminist. I'll do my... Oh. <laughs> I don't think you're going to be very helpful in any other kind of turning men. I'll do my best. <laughs> you might do the opposite. So that brings us to tonight's discussion on episode five. So it had a very similar feel, I thought, to the other episode um what are the overall thoughts here this is a lot of flashback there was a lot of flashback a lot a lot of sex like yeah that's true more actual sex than we've seen before and this is also the first time we're seeing consensual sex yes yes which is a huge thing in different 
formats, right? right? Post yes, yes. Yeah, um, I think I was really um, caught caught up by how different it felt seeing that much flashback. Um, just really like, I guess it, I guess it was there technically to like help you remember like she is a human and like this is how she was beforehand when not in this terrible situation so that the end of the episode would make more sense um and less like jarring throughout the episode i was just like wow we are spending a lot of time before like i kept waiting for something to be blown up or something it was just you also get a more nuanced view of her and realize i think she's been presented so far as rather perfect Um, oh yeah either perfect in her indecision or perfect in her need to rebel and now you start to understand that she is a person with you yeah. know who has done things that other people would criticize and you know I think yeah. that that is helpful to make her more human. Well, yeah, and, and that was a particularly um controversial thing. Yeah. And story-wise they had to fill in the hole because I think the previous episode was they flashed back to one of the red center scenes when they had Aunt Lydia or maybe it was when they were interrogating her. One time when she was talking to Aunt Lydia, she said you were a uh, adulterer, you were a slut. But they never went into. Oh, true. I didn't know. And that. I think I, I think we were because I knew. I think yeah. not yeah. knowing well, because point. that's not in the book, and so right. I think. Either well, they it had, is. Either they had to fill that. Is it in the book it, that it she is was because in? they say oh, okay. that she yeah. was an adult having married someone who had already been married. They didn't even talk about the affair. Okay. It was just that she had married someone uh, who had already been married, and they considered that adultery. Okay, but there was no outright like extramarital affair no. because you don't hear about her backstory no there was an affair because she talks about how moira oh. wasn't cool with it oh. uh, and she didn't tell moira for a okay. while yeah okay. yeah but in the show i remember aunt lydia saying that and they either had you either had to chalk that up to she was just saying that to get in her head or that that really happened so i think they had to fill in that hole for you to know what was going on there um i thought it was an episode that one did display like you said elizabeth moss's kind of range in the character because we've only seen her so far. We've seen her give a little bit of feeling good about herself and having some confidence, but it's more of a rebellion type of confidence and like screw you guys kind of confidence. And this was actually seeing her in a much more human, uh, sexual way when, especially when they're at the coffee shop and they're flirting and they're at coffee, lunch, whatever yeah, they were doing. Confidence that we would consider today instead right. of confidence in the teeny tiny little box she's living in. Correct. And so I thought, having only seen her in that one light, you get to see the actual person that she was prior to this situation that she finds herself in. And so I, I thought that was probably the biggest thing. And then it was also a very, uh, I think it touched on passion, because we did say there was a lot of sex in this episode, obviously. But there was a lot of passion going on in this episode. So you had like her and Luke meeting for the first time, so there was that sexual tension there. You had the sexual tension between her and Nick... And then you had Avglen, who I don't even know what to call her anymore. She's Av Steven. So I'm yeah. calling her the artist formerly known as Avglen. Yeah, just to keep it all straight. Because I do like the fact that they put that line in there at the at the flower market when she's like, I'm not Avglen anymore. And she's like, I'm sorry, it's just so hard to keep up. And I'm, I'm thinking all the viewers are like, yeah, it totally yeah. is. It's totally hard to keep up. But yeah, it just felt like an episode where they were focusing on passionate things. Like Avglen was very like passionate about the resistance and you could kind of see that spark in her eyes when she got in that car and she was like, <laughs> we'll talk about that later that was amazing. was amazing um but you know you had the commander who was very yeah showing like real showing really emotion and so maybe not passion so much way. as real like maybe passionate emo- maybe passionate from his overall sense and not a sexual passion maybe from a emotional passion 
Well, and even Mrs. Waterford's just desire to have a baby and how far she would go. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Well, and okay, so maybe maybe it was more so a episode that put a little human touch on almost every character. Yeah. yeah. Aside from Nick, I'm still a little frustrated with Nick's character I'm arc. I'm not into him. Because yeah. he's... I get that he can't do much because he is... He's a man in this society, which is bonus for him because he doesn't get, you know... Raped. Right, every day. But he just seems to not do much of anything. And I don't know if that's because he can't. He doesn't feel like he should. Or if that's just... I don't know. His character feels like... Yeah, but you're not supposed to know because you're supposed to be suspicious I but guess. Like wanting to trust him at the same I time. Guess. And I guess he doesn't seem wily enough for me to be suspicious or yeah. like him. I just kind of am annoyed by him. Yeah. And I'm hoping something comes up later because right now he's just trying to play both sides but not in a conniving way that I think the right. commander is. No, I think he's playing both sides purely for his own... Yeah. Like, satisfaction. And that's what I'm wondering. Are we supposed to... to rebellion. Are we supposed to think that he's a good guy because he's violating he's an eye but he's violating that or I, I can't tell what we're supposed to think about him yet. yeah I don't know I, I don't even trust like him saying that he's an eye and then still like participating in illicit activities because I mean look at Serena Joy like she would totally turn on you at any time and she is doing something really really bad and suggesting that Offred should have sex with somebody else just to get pregnant and then pass it off as the commander's baby I mean, that's a serious thing, that if she got caught doing that, she would be punished just as quickly as Offred. Yeah. So, overall thoughts, I think we thought it was a it was a good episode. There was a lot going on. Yeah, more I, than episode four, for yeah, sure. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of, as you said, flashing back, but there was just a lot in this episode to discuss a lot of jumping around. So, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, so, we do open up with uh, Scrabble, America's favorite game. Uh, and we learned that we're on Scrabble game number 34, so we have obviously jumped in time quite a bit, which is good to know. Uh, unless they're playing multiple Scrabble games a night. That could be. They do. They do. So, so we're not really sure how long it's been, but we know it's been long enough to play 34 games of Scrabble. Man, wouldn't you draw that out as long as you could if that was your only time to like use your brain? So, I kind of feel like the commander, we took a little shine off the commander this week um, throughout this episode. Rhea is shaking yeah, her head. He has like a like a I have like a nostril flare reaction to the commander because I think he gets slimier and slimier every yeah. time we see him act. Yeah, I think we really hoped that like he was going to be the good guy, like he was the good commander. And today he kind of showed his that he you know as nice as he can be, he's still yeah. part of this regime and part of this, and not even part of it. Clearly has some power and is making decisions that affect the very woman who he is scrabbling with. So much less than his dismissal of like, why wouldn't you want to fulfill your biological destiny? Well, biological destiny. I mean, that just that was too much for me. Uh, So we do have the part where so they're very flirty. Like she's drinking. Did she drink in the book? Does anybody remember? Is there drinking in the book? I don't remember. Because I was like, that seems a little risky. Like for of her, things. Like, to keep her head straight, right? right? Like, how much can you drink and not be slipping well, on like, stuff that you're doing? What if she walks out and, like, runs into Serena Joy and she's got... Well, if she run, walks out and runs into Serena Joy, all shit's gonna... That's true. Gonna, That's it doesn't true. matter. There are so many things wrong there. So they're drinking, there's a lot of flirting going on, and so we're feeling pretty good about them, I think, at this point. You're like, oh, this is nice for both of them, um, which later on is not gonna be the case, but... The one line I remember from this is, uh, you fit into me like a hook into an eye, which is gross. Morbid. <laughs> very morbid and very uh, 
for fishing references is just... I was bothered by her mention that uh, she flirts because he likes it. And I was like, that is so, like, a thing that you have to deal with today. And we complain about it because it well, really sucks. That... And, like, this is a situation where she's even, like, forced to do that. There's a the, the the episode is called Faithful, and I originally thought it was going to be Serena Joy background. We were going to get oh. some kind of televangelist thing, but then I almost feel like a lot of it more is about sex's power, and and so far we've seen the denial of sex's power. But this one is more about you know maybe this is her only form of empowerment is to flirt with him and see him respond because she knows she can't do anything else. I didn't get the impression though that she was enjoying the flirting at all. It was just exactly yeah, it, and I think know? she's doing it to be so it's, that she can keep like playing. Clean. Like, game. are in a job you can't leave, and your boss likes it when you flirt and, like, punishes you when you don't, and then you kind of have to. Then I make like, wretched that's a noises. Thing that real women deal with. Get woke. Justin. Time to get woke. I yeah. feel like this is the point where I'm supposed to get woke. This is one of these things. Tell me about that. Expand <laughs> I, on that. I think I just did. Well, I want to, I mean, have you been in a situation like that? Um, no, not not like that. No? Um, I have definitely had bosses that pref- that clearly preferred me to be more of a lady than I actually was. Really? Well, and look at was, dress codes, that right? That was really difficult. Oh, yeah. those... Is that... Office dress codes where you have to wear heels, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. What do you think that's about? At, at most of the places I have ever worked, there have been office dress codes. Not to that degree, not like women dress like women, men dress like men, but office dress codes are restricting things that you can... that are not office appropriate, and all of them only applied to women. Like, it was super clear it was just for the women. Um, I once worked at a place where my boss had a real problem with me uh, hyphenating my last name and not taking... What? Instead of my prior name. Really? Yeah, they did not like that. They tried real hard to talk me out of it. For what reason? I don't know. What is? That is a good. That's the part I don't get. When I run into a lot of these issues, I'm just like, Why Why do you you care? care? Exactly. Why? You can say that about any version of somebody really disliking something that somebody is doing in their own life that doesn't affect anybody else. It becomes symbolic of something bigger, right? If you hyphenate your last name, what company policy are you going to have a problem with? Because clearly you are some kind of a rule breaker. Yeah, I feel like that was the. I feel like that was the office version of. Uh, gay marriage has hurt my heterosexual marriage. Yes. Where, like, it literally does not does affect not anybody else. Like, it's not like you walk around calling me by my slightly more difficult last name all the time. You call me my first name. Which still only know, has but... three syllables. Yeah, yeah. My my new, my, not new anymore. I've been married for 11 years. But my new then last name still only has 11 characters in it. Yeah, it's not hard. It's, it's short, even when you're right. counting the hyphen. It's fine. It's fun to say. I say it out loud all the time. Thanks. I yell yeah, it out loud do. all it's the true. time. You call me my full name all the time. It's Beautiful. kind of strange. Uh, but that is a good point that you made um, about them seeing the woman with the hyphenated last name and thinking, oh, is she the troublemaker? Which yeah. is interesting. I never yeah. never really thought about putting that together joke. as like a man that's in a power position. Well, that... and think about how they're not allowed to say their names in The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. right? It because was, Yeah, it was a super uncomfortable situation. I got that job while I was engaged and we had to talk about it immediately because I already had booked my honeymoon, so I needed that time off, even though I was only going to have work there like a month at that point. Um, and both the owner of the company, who was my boss, and the other person who was like uh, in a real position of power in this very, very small company, they both like just did not like it and really tried to convince me that was a terrible idea. It was very weird. Super was, uncomfortable. So strange. And I was but, yeah. obviously a lot younger, so it was worse. Well, that makes me question, too, like... The of Fred, of Warren, of Glenn thing, and how immediately it, it's easy for us to get angry at that. Mm-hmm. But then I think also not pause and say, 
we do have a pretty similar norm, right? The, uh, most of the paperwork is still that if you're a heterosexual couple and you get married, the assumption is the woman will take the husband's last yeah. name. And no, you don't have to, but it makes life trickier and more difficult sometimes. And people still call me by only the second half of my hyphenated last name all the time. When they are when they see my name on a form and they have to like call my name to like go into the office or whatever the thing is, they usually say Mrs. only the second half of my name that is my husband's. And I've had male friends take their wives' last name. And, um, and they're, you know, they're, oh, you're emasculated, you know, you're whipped, all these different things. So what's legal and what is the norm is not necessarily in line. And so I think it makes us question how, how much do we mean that your name is your name and you should get to keep it and you should get to own it? And how much of it is choice and how much of it is like, well, this is the norm and it's kind of difficult to deviate from the norm. make it harder for men to change their last name because they have, if you're a man and you want to take your now wife's last name, you have to pay for it. Because it's not assumed that you're going to do it. If you're a woman and you want to take your husband's last name, it's free. I you did not know that. that it's, it makes no sense. Hashtag Why would you know about woke. that? You didn't have to change your last name. No, I didn't. And for yeah. gay couples, too, which I'm hoping yeah. becomes the big changing point where it truly is everyone's independent individual decision. Yeah. Because hopefully soon the forms will make it easy for anyone to do whichever they would like or yeah. something totally it's different. It's ridiculous. That's not something you should be charging people for. They just got married. Like, that's a thing... To they're, register. They're paying for all the other paperwork required for getting married. Like, let's just let them change their name. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Keep it simple. Let people do the things. Just yes. let people do let what they want without worrying about your hangups. So he does give her the magazine, which is my, one, of oh. my, one of the worst things. One of my favorite bad things. Is just, do you want to read? You want a, a little reading material? And he like gives it to it's her like, like don't you? Don't the you irony too. The irony of magazine. let me give you a magazine that is supposed to make you f- s- buy products because you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Right? That's the entire purpose of the magazine is in to a, show you your inadequacies. What makes me crazy in that scene is they are in a room full of literature. And oh, he gives good point. Her a fashion magazine. And God forbid like, she read a Latin book. I did not think about that. Well, it be- is a room full of books. Well, if she reads a real book that has real things in it. Danger. Then she's going to have her real thoughts. And that's when we have problems because look at where it got us before. That's how they're thinking. I'm just telling you how they're thinking. That is how they were thinking. It is. Because all you should be used for is what was it? Beautify. No, what's the. Uh, oh, uh, your, your biological destiny. Oh, yeah. It just sounds wrong coming out of your mouth. Yeah. So from there, we get a uh, flashback. A lot of flashbacks in this episode. That was my flashback sound. So I'm going to do that, and you'll know we're flashing back. Uh, So we've got Moira and Moira and Offred at a food truck, and they are uh, swiping through June's Tinder account on the phone. And Moira is very unimpressed. A with June's choice of a profile photo. And also with the dudes that she is considering, because I believe one has a fedora, which in my world is referred to as questionable headwear. And so she, uh, this is when we first get introduced to Luke, because they're standing in front of the food truck, and Moira sees Luke and is like, hey, I'm trying to help my friend out on Tinder. Yeah, that's right. I love the lesbian friend chooses like the most attractive guy in the vicinity to come over. And so this is kind of when we get our introduction to Luke, who helps her pick out her profile pic. Um, 
He says, uh, what does he say? He says the picture is nice. I think he says her profile pic, her profile pic is nice. He said it in kind of a lukewarm way. Yeah. Because yeah. like, he doesn't want to get, like, I don't want to get in trouble or make yeah, this like, woman I'm who I... I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say in this situation, but it's okay, so I'm going to say it looks nice. Right. I've never met you before, and yeah. I'm about to rip on your Tinder photo? I don't I don't think so. I don't think Luke was down with that. Um, but he does help her pick out a new one that he thinks is nice from the collection of photos I guess she had on her phone. He seemed to really enjoy going through those photos, too. Every man would. I just gotta be really? honest. Oh, if given that situation, oh, okay. I mean, that's like the going through your purse of now, right? That used to be the thing, like, back in the day. You wouldn't leave your purse around because dudes would go through your like purse. most dudes would be super disappointed by most of the pictures they would find on your average one's phone. And that, maybe that's the case, but It'd I'm just saying... Like- as far as where you're going to find the most yeah, information about think. somebody. Yeah, it's pretty personal. That's true. And carefully cultivated. There's a presentation of self going on there. That right? is very true. That is very true. I have to think about that. You don't put in the your outtakes on your Tinder profile. Your phone says a lot about you these days. It tells, you, it tells a lot about you. Uh, so, and when she's walking away, they do mention that he's married. So I guess they saw the ring because yeah, there was, was no other obvious. indication that he was married. Um... He, then Moira says he doesn't act married and that's kind of when you get that little first clue that something's going to probably go on we obviously know something's going to happen because they're together before the show starts um, so now we're back in the kitchen with Nick, Martha, and Offred and uh, what is that? I had this do, they, right now. do they call the Marthas Martha? I, I've I never I heard a name anybody address her directly oh, is it the cook that's time. Yeah, it's yeah just she's the, a Martha. I think she's just like the general household. She has staff. a name, and oh no, there are two of them in the yeah. book. There's only one and, in the show. Yeah. That's and why in the book, like you hear Offred referencing their Ruth names. Ruth or Ruby or something like that. Uh, there were a couple of them. I can't remember their names, but there were. You know, she uses their names when she is thinking about them, which makes me think people do know their first names. But I've not on the show but heard them referred to. I don't think anybody to. has actually addressed that Martha. No, or lady. Uh, so the thing about that scene is she's going through in her head because when the commander gives her the, the, what do they call it? Beautify was the name of the magazine, fake magazine name. And she's going through the, this article about how to know when a guy is into you. And so she's using the things that are on this list to try to figure out if Nick is into her. And I guess number two was he keeps finding ways for you two to meet. And Nick just kind of keeps showing up wherever she is at, which as a guy is totally a thing that happens. We totally make that happen, and I've done that on a number Thanks of occasions. Thanks for verifying that. Oh, like, we're not hard to figure out. We are not Dude. difficult creatures. That's true. All right, so we do get our first, because uh, this is a big thing in the book. We get Mrs. Waterford in her rose garden, which Serena Joy's rose garden in the book is a very big deal. It's like her baby because she can't have one, so she takes care of it like it is her child. This <laughs> garden was really different than the one described in the book, I think, though. How so? The one described in the book, didn't they talk about it being like rows and rows of like very organized things? Mm, I like don't she remember. had like a bunch of roses over here and a bunch of something else over here. I think there were some fruit trees and stuff like that. And I thought of it much more as like a very like regimented garden. Which would make sense was, given her personality. Yeah, and it seemed really appropriate for the time, but this was more of like a free form English garden. Um, well, I also don't know, like, given the environmental stuff that had been happening on the show, like, the pollution and, like, how food is hard to come by, I don't know mm-hmm. if that, like, affected, like, the overall environment of mm-hmm. the soil, and maybe so it can't be as... Well, I mean, the, the pollution level is the same in the book and the movies, or the show, yeah, so... Some, I don't know. You know I don't maybe know. that was just a and creative it's, it's choice. it's made up either way, so I feel like they could do whatever they want. Maybe the flower budget for the beautiful. show is not... I had some garden envy. Uh, so there's a few things going on in the scene because it's kind of an important scene and kind of segues into the Nick scene later on. 
so Offred is trying to figure out why she's even letting her go there in the first place because they really have not been mm-hmm. letting her out much out of the house at this point. Um, we do get the shot of the, I guess they're pruning shears. And that's one of my favorite parts in the book where she does talk about jabbing the pruning shears into her neck. And, how and you do get a be. good gaze and a yes. nice pause and linger on the and shears. And I kind of felt like they both acknowledged it at one point. Oh, no, I don't think no? that Serena Joy realized what she was thinking at all. No. Huh. Well, I know later on, in the later on scene after the flower market scene where she walks back in. I kind of felt like she did there because you could tell Alfred yes. was looking behind her and the pruning yeah, shears that. Was of that. More obvious. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so then they talk about um, nothing yet, which they're talking about her conceiving the child and that she doesn't want to end up and <laughs> have bad luck and end up in the colonies. Uh, no. Yeah, that'd she be great. said that, like, wouldn't that suck? Mm. Well, and also, as if Alfred is holding out, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. She's like, just she's, willing herself like, to not, not get pregnant. You're not dropping the good, you're not dropping right. the good eggs. Right, yeah, you know, I was gonna get pregnant, but yeah, but now that you said something, I guess I will. And so she, Serena Joy does allude to the commander being sterile. I found that really interesting because that made me start to wonder, if she knows that he's sterile, how is she sure that she is? Right, because right. well, we never have verified how they figured out whether or not the right. wives are sterile. It just made me think. Mm-hmm. Okay, has she tried sex with the doctor? Has gotcha. she tried she... sex with Nick? So is yeah, she really the sure. problem in the that's relationship? Is right. What or maybe it's really them, but they well, can't blame it on the men. Like they're not having sex, so she can't just mysteriously get pregnant like Mary. That would yeah. be weird. I'm, well, maybe they would totally be into that in Gilead. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> biblical precedent. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> They would. What would they do? I mean, that would. It's like probably what most of their use the Bible to their advantage. The real question is, what would they do if that happened? And then she had a girl. Oh, that was the other. I missed the, the new Jesus would be a girl. The one line that I do, and this is going back to like the second episode when we had the birthmobile episode. One line that is one of my favorite lines in the whole book is when they when she has the Janine has the baby and it's a girl. And, and in her head, she goes, thing. "It's a girl, poor yeah. thing." And I was like, yeah, "Oh, that's, that's so like true." The most memorable line from the book for me. <laughs> yeah. So Serena Joy says, "Hey, maybe we could try another man." And Offred is like, "We're not oh, supposed really? to try another man. That's forbidden." Like it's so hard to watch her, like her character, like go through all these like rules and, and you know. Like, go through all I, the do I say yeah that like that's what can I say or do I say good idea Serena like there's no answer that might not get her killed to like anything right there's so many things that can get you yeah. killed in Gilead it keeps happening and uh, I do like the strike we we should strike when the iron is hot from Serena Joy who I mean, she has like this little smile on her face like she just made a little funny and she's like oh I'm very proud of myself and then she was like oh She's a sad woman. She is she a was sad like, woman. Oh, we're talking about your uterus. Yeah. Sorry. So they talk about how other women have done it, and some women. Have, and Alfred says, "I've heard of some women using the doctors after last week's, where uh, the Air doctor quotes. tried to get her to uh, let him impregnate her." So then she agrees that it is uh, time to go try Nick. Nick is uh, volunteered or been voluntold, as we He's like to say at the office. That's excellent. He is voluntold to uh, try and impregnate her. So. That is all agreed upon, and we get our next shot of everybody's favorite supermarket, loaves and fishes. And everybody's favorite handmaid, Janine, who is now, we know, Av Warren. I'm not ever calling her Av Warren. She is Janine for life. 
Did you notice that um, the aunts call them by their first original yes. name when they're not assigned to a man? Really? Yeah. Emily in the Oh, yeah, uh, she in did the in hospital. the hospital. That's right. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was just be, like a... Because I don't know if their real name is supposed to be like a dig at that point because it's your You've been old taken name when, out you were, of when you were commission. a terrible person and now you're this... You've been taken out of rotation. You're, you're this wonderful handmaid who is supposed to bring us the joy of childbirth. And so now you're Av Fred or Av whoever dude is supposed to be your God-given name. And so by calling you your original name prior to the Gilead takeover, that they're kind of insulting you in their eyes. And now if you're you, you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad to hear somebody call me something besides of fill in the blank guy. I just found that interesting. That You put way more thought into that. I did. Well, I, did. Ooh, I dig it, As though, because usual. when the new Av Glenn, like, she is very clear. Like, she is not, yeah. you know, that so other one is not Av Glenn anymore. Yeah, to hear her, like, explanation of, like, why she is making this work was so interesting. Well, and the other thing I noticed, and I don't know if anybody, I'm sure other people have picked up on it, but like, when she was in the store, she was by herself. Which she was one? not with a partner. Av Glenn. Av Glenn. Oh, Av well, Steven, the artist That's formerly true. known as Av Glenn. She was by herself, so I'm guessing because they knew what she did, because later on the commander talks about the punishment that they gave to her, and because she was still fertile and still useful to them, that they spared her from death, because that would have been the normal punishment Mm -hmm. for trying to subvert the, you know, Gilead, and so my guess is that because she was with a partner, and they're afraid of her, you know, working with the other handmaids to try and get information about... I'm surprised they didn't send her with a man. But I don't know if the men can go in the store other than to guard the front door for somebody. She could have just had a partner we didn't see because Alfred's able to escape yeah, for a minute. They but off. even when she's at the flower market later like on, yeah, would be able to wander off more if she wasn't with such a vigilant yeah. one. That is an interesting. That's an interesting part that we'll yeah, get to so on the way. Yeah, so she revealed a lot. Yeah, that, about why and I don't think that, that way. that's yeah. not in the story. That's not no, in the book, I don't right? That, that no, it's not that part of fake fake Ovlin, as I will refer to as fake but yes. I think, are we going there now? Um, yeah, well, that's the next uh, is there anything? Let's see. What else was in that? Uh, uh, Janine just calling other girls a hater, which I loved. Um, but yeah. Oh, well, she, uh, we do have them talking. Uh, Av- so Offred does approach the artist formerly known as Avglen over there and kind of gets away from her partner, fake, fake Avglen. And they, she does mention that uh, she could probably get some information from the commander to give to Mayday, and Avglen is like, I am not in Mayday anymore Out. because I got caught, and now they can't trust anything. They yeah. don't know if she's been compromised. And but so, she was going to tell her how. Yes, and then fake, fake Avglen comes over and grabs her. And ruins it. Ruins everything. I was really excited to hear how you would get in touch with them. So fake, fake Avglen on the walk home. Um, so they are walking home, and she is... Kind of giving Offred some crap about trying to ruin everything because she goes into this thing like insulting her about how you probably had a credit card, Nord- Nordstrom card, and a, your uh, husband and a nice apartment. And uh, Offred uh, gives a line which I appreciated because I am married to a uh, anthropology woman that says I was more of an anthropology woman, which I thought was great. But yeah, she goes into this whole thing. It was like I was having sex with guys in the back alley to make rent. And no, not to make was that, rent. Is that not what she said? No, to get drugs. Oh. For money to get drugs. Oh, okay. I, then I, I just heard Am to I make rent. Am that right? I don't remember. Oh. Could be. Anyway. Pretty sure. Regardless. Both rent and drugs. Both bad. Maybe. Both bad. Both bad ways to do all things. But it reminded me of the line, was it last week or the week before, about when you don't have, 
or no, it's in the it's in the symposium thing. When you don't, when there not very much power is available, you grab what you can get. You grab what you can and get. And so yep. here is this woman who's like, yeah, this sucks. But you know what sucks more? Uh, not having a place to sleep at all. And it came up in class the other day. One of my students asked as I was talking about the book, and she raises her hand and she said. Um, but are they treated that badly? And at first I bristled and thought, you know, have you not been listening to anything that I'm saying? But we were talking about it and she said, you know, not that I'm condoning what they're doing, but for some people, maybe this is better than the old society. And that's, that's how it was possible. For a lot of societies, like they put up with treatment similar to this because it is the best treatment they've had and they have not experienced what we would consider equality and fair treatment. That was interesting. That was not an angle I had thought of before that they're just because I, I was just thinking of it from the characters that are on the show and the, the like, you know, echo. From our right from our advantage, yeah, yeah, correct. Right. Yeah, it is a privilege. We, exactly. we are all privileged individuals. And so, yeah, it never dawned on me that there would be. I mean, now that you think about it, sure, there's probably there's lots of women that in this similar situation to what she's talking about of being homeless or being on drugs and having these terrible lives. That now you, like she says, I have a how I have a roof over my head. I have people who treat me good. I'm well fed and well taken care of, and it's just bizarre to think about but you see her point of view because that was a terrible life and now she's got this to her good life and it's just interesting to see the opposite ends of that spectrum Mm -hmm. from someone who had a decent life and had all this freedom and money and privileges to this other woman who didn't and so that was just something I had that didn't even cross my mind as I knew it was used as a reason by the people in control but to think of it that it was accepted by people who weren't in control was a new angle yeah it was always presented as when the aunts were using this as reason for you know taking on whatever your new role is in the in Gilead that it would be better that there wouldn't be rapes that there wouldn't be assaults that you wouldn't have to um go outside of your home and work every day really hard and then come home and also like, you know, make a home. And, and you wouldn't have to worry about yeah. the dangers of yeah, that you society that you were in, like she was talking about. Um, this also made me think like, that's probably also the case for some of the men that we see doing terrible things in the society. Like for them, you know, if they had horrible lives before, if, you know, not that for us, it's a small thing, but like if all they have to do is subjugate women and they're given like a place to live, they're given a job, presumably pay. Well, and you're there and they automatically do. put in a position yeah. of power. Yeah. And they're, be, they're respected just by, by virtue of their gender. That's a pretty good deal for a lot of men. I, I would agree. Not that it would be a good deal for me. I'm just saying in general, if you're a man who's down on your luck and maybe yeah, in a similar a situation that you're homeless somebody something. hands you a gun and says, you're part of this organization. Now the men are in charge and we rule everything. That if your life is that terrible, then, yeah. you know, it's all uh, perspective. It like a trade you can make, yeah. Correct. So we do get to Offred in the closet uh, right before they leave to go see Nick for the first time. Um, they're, I think, well, this is a thing they're not supposed to do. Like, even Mrs. Waterford doing this is highly, highly illegal yeah. in the eyes of Gilead. So as you see them, they're like scurrying off real quick, and they're all looking around like, "Is anybody seeing us that go?" Trip looked like it took forever too. Well, but <laughs> I will outside, say, right? like, I will say that risk. that that's about how it's described in the book as having to go outside, down the steps, yeah. across the thing, and then back up the steps because he's in like, like such a long time. He's in like a room he's, over the garage because oh, yeah, he's exactly. over the limo driver, so he's got to be near. But the, the car key right difference is, doesn't Mrs. Waterford in the book she suggests the doctor? And she is certainly not involved with the Nick situation. I thought she was involved in it. And she is not in the room. No. no. Like, that was very The only only thing with the doctor I really remember from the book is his, you know, 
solicitation. <laughs> I feel like she's, and I could be wrong, but I feel like she suggests it, but doesn't follow up or anything. Huh. And the Nick Avfred thing is totally just them. Hmm. Because Avfred and Nick had, in the book are much more kind of maybe collaborating on May Day, and the right. eye stuff doesn't really come up until the end of the book when you don't know what happens. So we get in there, and it's, uh, my favorite part of this scene was the shot when she's walking towards the bed, and they're doing this kind of straight on from you seeing her walk straight across, and behind her they have uh, Serena Joy and Nick on each side of your vantage point of her, and they're both kind of staring at each other, like, oh my god, why do we have to do this? And she gets to the bed, and they do it very ceremony-like, you know, she... And you're kind of giving several vantage points of uh, Serena Joy, who is half-heartedly trying not to watch this yeah, happen. Yeah, I found that really weird. Like, is she watching because, like, she forgets what it's like to see just, like, not her husband? I think she's watching because she likes to watch. Like, I mean, that's really odd. That's what I think. Yeah. Oh, I think she's monitoring. Don't have too much fun. I don't know yeah, because yeah. I, I no, that, that was not the impression I got oh, at all. I, oh. I got the impression sure. she was at least partially monitoring well, to make sure that nobody was enjoying themselves. She, I think she was monitoring, but the looks that she was giving, like side eye looking over there, were very much for her own gratification. I felt mm-hmm. like she was like trying to look the other direction uh, for herself because she's supposed to be this morally upstanding woman, but she keeps sneaking a peek. After a while, she's just watching. Um, not that they she have. She has kind of, I don't know, I'd have to go back and rewatch that. Because it is like... It's going to be both, too. That but she's we also don't know like if her and the commander are even having sex at, at all. Yeah. Like, if there's any kind of sex for pleasure between the wives and the, sure the husbands not. and the commanders. We don't think so. I could see her also, in a calculating way, looking at Alfred to say, are you having more or less fun than you look like you're having when you're in my lap? Yeah. Right? But, well, but then, a lot of the times, she's not even watching. The vast majority of the times in the ceremony, she's, she's totally looking the other way because she can't handle it. Her eyes most of the time. And so, uh, the other thing, thing about the, that's funny about this, so, <laughs> Nick Mangella, who is Nick, the, uh, our, is that his, I think his name is Nick Mangella, the actor, whoever the actor is that plays Nick, oh, I don't remember. tweeted out the, the photo of episode five from his Twitter account, and the picture was from the bed vantage point, and all it was was his crotch. Like... And he said, episode five, <laughs> it was just a picture of right. like, like from his knee up to his crotch. Awesome. It was I just, whole, it was funny. It you was... know what I noticed in that scene and then kept continuing to notice is the scene where, oh wait, we're not, we're not at the Luke scene. I'm going to come back to that. Nope. Okay. Uh, so they do their thing and it's very, uh, you know, sterile and awkward like it would be if you had sex with a limo driver that you didn't know very much about. So post, uh, well, the only other thing in that scene with Nick and Alfred as she touches his arm kind of at the end. And I don't know really what that was supposed to convey. Did anybody see that? No. Like at the very end when he's about to finish, she reaches and grabs him by the elbow kind of, which is the only time that she touches him because she's trying to do it very ceremonially. Very like where, where her hands are kind of behind her and she reaches up at the end. Because I think she kind of feels like he's struggling with it. Yeah, he did seem like he was struggling. And so she like touches him like, on the arm. so torn <laughs> I don't know what to think of him. I don't know. Like, do I enjoy myself? No, I don't think I... Yeah, I... No. Yeah. Oh, the other important thing we do see is that he has stuff. Yes. Yeah. He has record player, books, Yeah, and he's handgun. like a man of no privilege in this world. Right. The gun is key things. there. The gun yes. is key. So he does have the gun, which I guess he would have to be, you know, if he's in charge of the commander while he's driving him, you got to have that for protection. 
and from, or the eye situation. Yeah, because he is one of the eye. But do you think the commander knows that? I mean, they, wouldn't an eye be? There I to think watch that everybody? Oh, guns that's a good point. would be so regulated; they would be very difficult. Really? To but I, think I kind of think, think of it the opposite way. I kind of think of it as everybody. Like, every man seems to have a gun for men. And only regulated in that women. I would like to know them. more about that. I would like yeah. them to follow. Up the, on they, uh, they might elaborate on it they because they did zoom in on it. So hopefully, there's. We need some. the Gilead Firearms Regulation yes. Handbook. Let's see what the deal is. So next scene, another flashback. Coffee date with Luke. So now we are in full fledged uh, June and Luke doing this thing, and we already know that Luke is married, so we know that this is uh, on the side. We don't know how long it's been going on, though. How we do not know how long it's been going lunch. on. No. We also get more like Luke is not quite woke, right? With this question of, so tell me if you had a gay face. Yeah. That's not a cool question I don't to think ask. he's super woke. I think Luke is like just normal dude. Yes. Well, we get that impression from the other flashback. Exactly. And this yeah. is a which confirmation. Think, I don't think he's anything special feminism-wise. Right. No, and those other flashbacks dude. take place after all this part. And he's very like, oh, nothing's going to happen. All of it's going to be cool. Yeah, it's okay. cool, babe. And if it's not you, cool, I will take care of you. Oh, <laughs> poor Luke. So, yeah, he does ask the gay face question, which, as a guy, you... Yes, that is a question that a lot of guys would ask. I don't know that I would ask it on a girl that I'm on a coffee date with. Also, you can think it in your head. Oh, yeah. yeah. We are far down the road before that is a topic of discussion. How far? When, I don't know. In a in a mutual exchange about sexual history, I think that's a fair question. But as a one sided like, tell me if you ever experimented because I'm in my head fantasizing that you did, which is kind of the vibe I got from it. Oh, absolutely. It's not a there, there's a power imbalance in that question. That's not just a getting to know you. What's your past situation? I kind of got partially because of that. Um, that this had been happening for a while. They've been getting together on lunch dates for quite some time. I did get that impression, but because she's not asking him questions, and it's not kind of a yeah. mutual exchange of information. Well, and they, well, he does mention that he doesn't tell his wife, and she's like, so what have you been telling her? So you know it's been going on for yeah, at least yeah. a little bit, uh, but that she has been hiding it from Moyer because Moyer doesn't approve, which you said is also in the book, correct? Yeah. Um, and so Luke said he hasn't told his wife that he's just been telling her that he's eating lunch at his desk, which... Uh, why do you have to tell her anything if you're just at work? Like, she, what did you do for lunch today? No wife asked that. I think that's a writing mistake. Nobody, did you ask your husband, like, what did you do for lunch today? I, that. I think no. I only ask him when I know he's having lunch with somebody that I know. And I'm like, so how was lunch with so-and-so? That was just weird. That just seemed awkward to me. Like, they were just trying like, to fit I in the fact that he didn't him. tell his wife. Yeah, that did seem weird. Uh, let's see. So then they start getting into this whole back and forth, escalating the sexual tension of... Talking about what people in their situation do and go to trashy motel rooms, but that they would never do that kind of thing. But then they're like, oh, we could go to the Hyatt. And so then it, then they start exploring, like, how would we do it? And it is very, uh, I need be- a cigarette after that. Because they do ramp up the, yeah. well, they're doing it intentionally. Because obviously that you're supposed to feel like they feel. And yeah, that, I did feel like that conversation was done really well. I think that is exactly how that would go down. And her acting, her facial I've, expressions. I've no experience in this area of, you know... Seeing another, disclaimer? seeing another man at lunch and like figuring out how you're gonna escape to go have sex theoretically air quotes um but yeah it seemed legit but as far as a uh flirtatious we've been together for a little bit we're trying to take it to the next level obviously because they haven't because it seems like they haven't had sex it seems this like is, they haven't even acknowledged like really that, that this have, is a yeah, sexual this thing is, like that there's tension happening so i thought that was pretty spot on in her 
being I just thought she was great in the scene just the way she her acting in the scene was fantastic um it was a plus flirting I have to oh say. for sure for sure uh, and again I like I said at the beginning I think the way she gets to act in that scene versus what she yeah. has to be in Gilead is is a great um, juxtaposition. Uh, so when we finally do get to the, uh, I guess, consummation, is that what we're going to call this? <laughs> sure. Is that too formal? You don't like like you, you don't like that word, do you? The main event. They... The main event. Yeah. Nice. Better. We'll call it the main event. Here. So they have rented their room at the Hyatt, overlooking the city, as she said in the previous scene. And I thought it was interesting that we got all the way to this point, and the first thing out of Luke's mouth when they get in the room is, are you sure? Which to me is Luke asking himself, am I sure? Because oh, I think it was him giving her an out. Uh, I think it was Luke giving himself an out because he seems like the type of guy that is like, should I be doing this right now? I feel really Let's weird. Let's put the credit card down for the room, right? You have pretty much ascertained that people are sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then they, uh, they get it on, as it were. So the hotel room. here's my interesting part about this, or what I thought was interesting, was the very firm, I like to be on top, yeah. and the like total juxtaposition of her life in the present of yep. Gilead, where she is not only like never enjoying sex, but is never on top, yeah. and is literally not yeah. supposed to be on receiver. Literally or figuratively, True. never on top. Never on top. And so I, I thought that, you know, as far as hotel sex scenes go, I thought that was fun. It was excellent. It was excellent. It was excellent. I'm glad it did the job. Good. Yeah, Lucas. So, poist, po- poist, poist? I was going to say post-coitus. I was going <laughs> to say itself. it. I was. I was going to put a little Sheldon Cooper on it. Post-coitus, back in the house after Nick's room, after the initial uh, sub-ceremony sex with Nick, uh, Serena Joy asked her immediately, how do you feel you should go lie down? And, and then the unintentional burn, I don't think that Alfred meant this, but she was like, duh, I would not feel it yet, you idiot, and then stops herself and is like, oh, yeah. oh shit. She didn't stop herself very well. <laughs> no, she didn't. Well. I yeah, think that was could, very well, intentional. paused and then I realized it. it. Intentional. I think it just slipped out. I think out. it slipped out. Because and, I, immediately afterwards, she seemed like, oh, shit. Yeah, I can't believe Because I think I anyone who has been pregnant is like, you've got to be kidding right. me. And then she, she realizes that and she... And anybody who's just been through that uncomfortable, yes. least sexy sex. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, I I got the impression that yeah, I guess what you're saying is right that she just was thinking that and let it slip because as this episode progresses, the other thing that you notice is that all the fucks that she gave are going out the window. Yeah, that's and very true. That as it progresses and things get worse with the commander and things go haywire with Avglen, that she's just like completely getting fed up with her situation and yeah. like getting way less into keeping the formalities of what her position and her responses to everything are supposed to be. Yeah. So, and I think a line was crossed with when Serena Joy suggested this situation, like a line was crossed and now like she can have like actual talk with Serena Joy in a way that she couldn't before. Oh, sure. And well, now you've got everybody pretty much, like everybody pretty much on the show is doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yes. And in every situation, the other characters don't know about it. That is true. I didn't think about that. That everybody's keeping it from everyone else. And probably, really, the only one that knows about all of it is her and Nick. I don't... No, because Nick knows... Nick doesn't know about Scrabble. Yes, he does, because Nick is the one that tells her the commander wants to do it. He doesn't know what's going on. That is true. Nick knows that they're meeting, though, so he does at least know more than anybody else. So I think Nick probably has, which makes sense that he's the I, and he does know more than anybody else. At least he is allegedly the I. We're going to see about that. Uh, So... 
where do we go from here? Oh, we finally get our first look at of Steven, the artist formerly known as Avglin and Emily. Uh, she's playing with the dog at whatever her new oh, house is. We just are at the. Oh no! I, well, I, sorry. First look at her with a family because yeah. we have not seen yeah, her. That was interesting. Yeah, and so she's playing with the uh, German Shepherd dog, and we actually get a nice Gilead wife, which is weird. So yeah, we do get the nice wife who is talking about she's faking the flu, which she's like maybe so I'm nice. not I'm not feeling well, so maybe we should. Skip and then also, the is, but it's a mixed bag, right? Because every month that she doesn't get pregnant is a she's month closer to, to going colonies. to the colony. But does that count? So. Because it's not her fault. I don't think they care. Uh, yeah. Well, but the wife is the one not it's having. Certainly the not ceremony. a fair situation, right? <laughs> That's like, true. Let's That's tally true. up the points. I don't think. He, I don't think they keep track of how many times she was circumstantially not pregnant and how many times she just failed to get pregnant in their eyes. That's true. Uh, so now we get to the ceremony with Serena Joy smoking, like out of nowhere. She hasn't smoked up to this point. Am I? Have I, we seen no, her she smoke? Smo- she smokes at the ceremony at the intro to the ceremony every time. Really? really? Yeah, I've not noticed that either way. Neither have I. That's interesting. Is that like a, uh, I don't know, that's, that's kind of the reverse thing. of how normally work. Usually it's cigarette after well, the she's sex. She's not getting any. She's not getting any anyway, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so this is when we start seeing some things change with the commander. He starts getting into the sex a little bit more in a way that he is not supposed to. Because it's supposed to be fairly clinical. Um, but again, Serena Joy's not paying attention. She never watches because she obviously can't stand it. Well, and coming after the last ceremony we saw, which was him not able to finish the the, the complete one eighty, do you? You think what was intentional? I think he was not performing last time intentionally because he was not, or at least not really trying to get into it because he was offended that she did not give him attention before the ceremony. Like he oh, wanted. that's a good Sorry, conspiracy we didn't really get theory. Into this last time, I think that I don't think that he was doing it necessarily to like punish her or anything like that. But I think that he was just like, Ugh, not really into Fine, this, this time doing because this. not doing what I want. Uh-huh. That's an interesting, interesting theory. All right, well, we'll see where that goes. I don't know if they'll ever reveal that or not because that's kind of in his brain. I guess we got to figure that out. Uh, so let's see. We are on a ceremony. And so he, like, runs his hand up her thigh, and she is, like, freaking out because he is yeah. not supposed to look at her, let alone, like, touch That's her in any kind of sexual one. way. And it was a very obvious one. He wasn't even, like, just a little bit. And it even was... before that, you could see the change. You, were, you could see him. You could see his yeah, face. the facial like, expression. This is this is changed over from ceremony to fucking, and that is the line that is not supposed to be crossed. That's true. But Serena Joy not paying attention doesn't realize it, we guess, because ceremony's over and nobody's been harmed. I assume if, if she did no, see that in the middle of the ceremony, no probably wouldn't. Well. That's true. Well, everyone is armed. I just meant not physically because of the result of that. Let me clarify. Uh, so then we do get one thing that I just don't know if this would really happen. I have an issue with the impromptu parlor visit, like going to visit the commander out of nowhere. That did seem rather abrupt. It seemed like a thing that just couldn't happen. Like, like how would she excuse it and how would she... Like she just stomps over there like it's a thing she does every day, which well, I don't she does. Think she did be- it immediately after the ceremony. I think she waited until night again. Oh, okay, maybe. Like when it- she would normally go, but he didn't call. Ah, her. okay. You know See, this mean? is where I'm not. The timeline like, thing. Is- okay. Night. It was night. You're know. correct. So maybe that is the case that it was just the same time, but she was just walking up all yeah. pissed she off. Seem noisier than normal though, and I, yeah. every time they close the door, I'm like, somebody has got to hear that. <laughs> that house is really quiet. So yeah, um, the one thing I will say about Joseph Fines. And Maria will get this less than Tiana. He has reverse Christian Bale Batman voice. 
So if yeah, you've ever watched any of the Christian Bale Batman movies, which I know Rhea is not, when so the, clips, though, right? the the thing with uh, the thing with those movies is when he's Bruce Wayne, billionaire playboy, he talks like a normal person. But when he's like mildly gruff, right? But when he's Batman, even though he is completely covered basically from head to toe and no one can see who he is, he talks like this. And I'm not exaggerating even a little bit. Nope. It's even worse than Justin is doing right yes. now. Yes. It's really, at first, really just... He's also trying like to remind to us... acclimate to hearing that voice. He's not the same guy who was in Newsies. Well, in fun fact, no, he's not the same guy who was in Newsies. <laughs> no, he's really trying to differentiate himself. Fun fact, in the last Batman, Christian Bale Batman movie, um, he tried to do less of it, and Christopher Nolan went back in in post-production and made it more that, gruff. Yeah. I didn't totally know bizarre, because it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, other than Bane having a, other than Bane having a weird British accent when he's supposed to be Mexican. Anyway, we have diverted from the Handmaid's Tale. We're back. So Joseph finds he because when he's when he's talking normally he talks like a normal person, but when he talks to her he talks like this, and he gets this really quiet voice. Oh, he's so weak. I want like he's trying him. to be soothing. Well, you know, better doesn't mean better for everyone. Sometimes it means. I mean, I We're take, not there yet. I have things to say about that quote. I take <laughs> that voice as like verbal cons- condescension. Like it just Absolutely. Seems, it seems like he's talking to a little kid. It uh, does, but it just annoyed me. Like because it does have that same dynamic thing as what Christian Bale does. I'm like, God, just talk. Yeah, I get it. Just I get that you're. Get your words correctly, I get that you're trying to talk you. like you're talking to a child. And oh, hello, Alfred. How are you doing today? Oh, it's just gross. Uh, he gives her the. He gives her another magazine, which is also. Not from the myriad of choices on the bookshelves. Uh, and he, he does make fun of the magazines. And this is when you kind of start to see the uh, kind of dismissal. dismissal and the just bad side of the commander. Well, you start to see the parts of him that have really bought into this Gileadian yes. philosophy. Because he gives a magazine and he's like, oh, it's a magazine that, you know, no woman was ever rich, pretty enough, or good enough. And again, starts with a position where I'm like, I'm with you, dude. We, like, those are problematic. But we all know that that's... And then we, we diverge yes. and take different paths in the wood. And so this is when the biological destiny line comes out about how you should... They should enjoy their biological destiny in peace, or they should be able to. And now they don't have to worry about these magazines telling them how to be good women and be perfect like they used to be. I was really bothered, though, that when he says, you know, why wouldn't you want to, uh, you know, live out your biological destiny in peace? Because what is there to live for besides, if not children? And the, I mean, love is great. Love is awesome, but that is the only fucking thing she she says. And I was like, there are a million things, woman. What is? Did you forget them all? And this is when she is the opposite of another favorite heroine of mine, Anne of Green Gables, who is this woman who is known for her brain and like lets the love happen out of yeah. that. Once um, she, yeah, she doesn't say, I don't know, personal fulfillment, intellectual yeah. desire, seeing the world, Freedom, aspirations, yeah. but joy in life in everyday things. Friendship, companionship, feeling like you've achieved something. I could go on. I can't believe all she said was love. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, I think that's probably the thing that she's missing the most out of all those things, though, is like some kind of loving relationship. Well, no. But I mean, just in that context of I feel like she misses independence the most. And love is part of the independence, right? The independence to choose who I love 
even though yeah, I mean, the, her choice of love was a tricky, complex situation that, you know... Yeah, independence to choose your own destiny would probably be most people's number one things. And I totally get that, like, she is caught off guard by this and, you know, hasn't been pre-thinking all of her answers. We have much. determined that she's not a thinking-on-her-feet kind of gal true, for the most part. That's true. But I was really disappointed in that. Nor the leader of the revolution. No, not at Wait, all. Were you disappointed or is that yes. just me? Okay, yes. good. Because when I was watching that, I was like... And <laughs> because also as a single woman who is happy and fulfilled, I got very tired of this conversation about, well, you really you haven't found yourself yet because you don't have a partner and you won't be truly happy until you share your life oh. with someone. Well, that's that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. I remember getting a lot of that when I was married or just in a serious relationship and we didn't have kids for quite some time. And that was great, too. You never know what love is until <laughs> yeah. you have a child. Yeah. OK, well, thanks. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> That's cool. I apologize. It's okay. So this is uh, at the point where she finds out that he knows what happened to Alf Glenn. He reveals it to her, it seems like, on purpose. I was really surprised by that, and I guess I shouldn't have been, because we know that he's high up in the situation, and I guess maybe I thought he was so high up that he wouldn't be dealing with petty things like a what? handmaid having That's an affair thought, with a Martha. Yeah. Right? But, it seems like a relatively minor thing in the world of Gilead. But I think they had to know that she was part of the Mayday resistance, yeah, I would maybe think. maybe he just knows because it was next door. That yeah, also could true. be. So he he talks about it, and he talks about what they did to her. Because Offer doesn't know. We know at this point what happened to her, but Offer doesn't really have a clue. And so he tells her pretty much what has been done to her, and she loses it and is not happy at all. And so this is the point where this relationship is taking a turn this episode that she's starting to see the seedy underbelly of the commander and not this guy who just wants to play Scrabble with her and help her make her feel better about her situation and hope that she doesn't do something to herself like the last handmaid. It's less that he wants to make her feel better about her situation and he doesn't want to lose another handmaid abruptly. Correct. Because she's now like his toy. So she promptly sprints out of there and goes and vomits in the sink like you would if you find out that your really good friend was genitally, genitally mutilated. Well, what I thought was interesting, too, I knew he wouldn't say it outright. I knew he wouldn't use a word. But the such a small problem ah, yeah. feeds into... I see these articles all the time about like the myth of the clitoris and how it looks so small, but how actually it extends like pretty deep, and it's a pretty large organ. And so he's buying into yeah, this. Like yeah, a, Like a tongue? Yeah, almost like, yeah, totally like a tongue. Um, So he's seeing it as this mythological. And he says, he defends what they did as the compassionate version of what could have happened, which was very All the punching, all the punching. So then Nick shows up in the kitchen, because he's Nick, and is there for a reason, because number two reason, uh, number two way to tell if a guy's into you is that he just shows up kind of wherever you're at. So there's Nick again. Uh, he kind of half apologizes for having to have sex with her because he couldn't say no because, again, he was voluntold by Serena Joy. And who's going to tell Serena Joy no? That also makes me think that they don't know that he's an eye. That could be. That could be. We don't, I, mean, I don't think they know. We don't even know if he really is an eye. Again, Why would Serena yeah. Joy have approached him about that at all? That's true. That's, that's a good point because if she knows he's an eye, then that's something Unless she's she not supposed to be doing. that Nick is into her. So we get the. Oh, wait, we skipped my what? favorite line. We did? Yes, the better never oh, means better. Okay. So, yeah, the big line in the, the uh, parlor scene is better never means better for everyone. It always means worse for some. 
And what I love is that she stops and she's shocked by it. But that's something we talk about all the time in sociology. Once you break down and you learn that we actually created these systems that we live in, and you start to see that this is something that's humanly created, you start to ask. And I always ask my students, you think about, okay, here's a social structure that we see, who potentially benefits and who potentially is harmed. Because the things we take for granted, we don't think about that. And so the fact that he literally sat down and was like, yep, this is better for me, not better for those other people. And I couldn't help but kind of make a connection to current decisions that are being made, perhaps about our health care. Um, who is it better for and who is losing out? And is that even a question that people are thinking about? Well, you I think know, people are thinking if, about if it a lot. If everybody was thinking of it accurately and with all the facts, real ones, yes. I mean, I think they would see that, you know, those kinds of decisions really aren't good even for the people that think they're benefiting because it's never good to subjugate half the population or, you know, make other people's life decisions for them. It always comes back to be bad for everybody. Always in the end. So true. true. I think the problem is that the people are thinking about it, just not the right people that have the power to make the decisions that affect your life. Yes. I think that is the problem. There are too many commanders in this Mm -hmm. situation. Far too many commanders. All right. So hotel after the sex, uh, not too much with this other than, you know, she asks him to leave his wife and he says, sure, I'm in love with you. What else am I going to do? Which I guess is how you get that done. If you're writing that scene in the show, it just seemed like a, I don't know. It seemed like there wasn't very much, uh, like hemming and hawing romance? about it. I don't know. Yeah. Not, not, not romance. Just like he was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm in love with you. I guess that's what we do. It just, I don't know. Maybe that just alludes to the fact that it's been going on so long and he's not happy in his other relationship clearly because he's having an affair with It also her. seems like a big jump from consistent lunch dates to the first time they have sex in a hotel to like leaving your wife okay like that's was a that big was that still the first time? I yeah that, later no time. that seemed to be the first still that's the first well, it, maybe oh, it is okay. maybe yeah, it is maybe another it's time unclear. but there was nothing not to sure. tell us that that was another time it really just oh, seemed like okay. after the first time and I so yeah it, there's a whole lot of things going on if that's the first time then she's asking him to leave her his wife after the first time that they've had sex bold move bold move pays off but bold move all right so the big uh, shocker scene here in the show was the flower market scene oh yeah so we get to the flower market I was not seeing that coming no at all. no i don't think anybody was so when we get there off red sees the artist formerly known as off glenn who's off steven also emily uh, she ditches her fake, fake off Glenn to go talk to her. She gets one of the other handmaids to have her come look at the lilies, like you do. And What are lilies symbolic of? Lily. Um, lilies are a kind of flower that can kind of look like v- vaginas and vulvas. Interesting. Like the Georgia O'Keeffe. Very, yeah, kind of. like lilies and um, irises, too, kind of. Yeah, it just depends on the variety. But So she goes over to talk to an uh, artist formerly known as Ovglin, who says, My name isn't of Stephen. Uh, my name is Emily. Who are you? Right before uh, Fake Offlin comes back and steals her and said, we're going to go over to the irises and we're going to stay right there because she's not having any of it because she likes her life and doesn't want to offer it and messing it up. Uh, there is some mention prior to that about Mayday fighting back and that she can help them and she's trying to get Offred to still try and help the resistance. And then she's kind of looking over at the cars and uh, I guess the wheels were turning and she steals a car. And the only thing I found interesting is she just chose to go in a circle. Now, I don't know if they didn't have a choice. Yes. I also was really hoping she was going to ram that thing in some kind of brick wall and off herself. Like, end the madness. Because she's going to be tortured. Like, let's just be I know, honest. I know. I was so I wanted her to carry to through with it. They didn't kill her right away when they caught her. They put her in the van. 
I was like, by the time it was obvious she was going to be caught, I was like, please just kill her now. Yeah. yeah, and but of course they didn't. So yeah, and I didn't know why she went just went in circles. Like if maybe she was just like that was such yeah, a the little roads blocked. Yeah, I, my, they might and she ran over the dude. Area. It's not like she's keeping track. Yeah, so she backs over the one guy. And then looks over at Alfred, who gives <laughs> a look very similar to she gave Moira it's, in the train, like, the yeah, 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 go for it. it. Go for and it. then she runs over the guy, and he promptly, from the, the shoulders up, just explodes, which, yeah. I don't know if that's how it happens. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it happens either, but right? that's how it happens on The Walking Dead sometimes. Well, there's a forensics time, guy It's, like, here. kind of insane, and it's, it's, like, it's like how you would imagine it would work if you ran your car over a watermelon. Well, that's what my, my note on here was many watermelons were injured in the making of the scene, both for the sound and probably for the uh, effect in the show. That sound is but I remember seeing it, I was like, that looked cool and gross. I don't know that your body really explodes like that when you I, run over it. I, Not that I've seen anybody run, run over it. don't do most of the things that happen true. to them in violence scenes. Totally true. So, and I, again, I don't know why she just drove in a circle. Like, I'm guessing know. maybe they haven't blocked off, but unclear. if you're in a car, just go, man. Yeah. Get out of there. But uh, the other part of that that I did love is that Janine is like ah! loving it, loving yeah. every minute of it, doing her crazy laugh. Oh, uh, awesome! But she knew it was going to end badly, so she gets caught and taken away in the van by the eye or the guys in the eye after she has <laughs> run over one of their buddies. Um, so this what is this from? Going great. Oh, so they're walking back home, and fake Offlin is like, "It'll be okay. We're all going to get through this together." That seemed abrupt. Hey. For, well, the, the whole shot seemed abrupt. Like, no, I mean, like, just, she, why would she offer, you know, reassurances in that moment? I think she's just trying to reel things back in and, like, keep things as normal as possible because she's, like, And cool. stay in control. Be like, if, if you're feeling okay, let's get back to this normal thing. Right, let's do this normal thing where everything's okay for me. So we walk in and we do get an awesome shot. This is probably my second favorite shot aside from the long shot that they did with Alfred walking toward the bed in Nick's apartment. This scene really... Uh, wide shot of this scene where she walks in and she's on the other side of the room and Serena Joy is painting on the one side and this house is just gorgeous. It's got the big blue yeah. wall and they're painting. It was just a beautiful, beautifully shot. This is giving me flashbacks to Downton Abbey. Yeah, very Downton like Abbey. Walking in from yes. far away. Yes, and so this is... Uh, you can see... You can kind of see it as she's walking over the way. Her whole body language is starting to change. And like I said, she's just giving less and less of a shit about much of anything because she's so fed up with this situation that she's in and society in general and the power structure and so she's kind of sauntering over to her really like here i am you know like you normally would if you're pissed off at somebody it's she's not hiding her feelings anymore more or less um and we get this serena joy saying some women can't handle the requirements of their position uh referencing the thing that happened with former of glenn in the car Oh, is that, you think that's what... Yeah, yeah. she asked about it at first. She said oh, I heard there, there was, was an incident at the market. market. Yes, yes. And clearly she's referring, I think, to in almost this mythological place in our in women in the, the literary canon of madness. And her, mm-hmm. I think she's saying, you know, she went crazy. She couldn't handle yeah, it. Yeah, that's Don't exactly that what I thought, too. Yeah. Well, and do you think there's a little bit of her talking about her own position as well? At all? I didn't get that level of no? interest. I don't know that she her. wants to be that vulnerable. No, that's probably true. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Wanting that to be true because I want her to really hate her life. She's terrible. I'm sorry. You know she's terrible. She, she is, is terrible. terrible. I feel terrible for her, but she is terrible too. Like, she's dealing with it in a the wrong way. <laughs> uh, so, but she does make the comment, you're a smart girl. Which is like, girl. loaded. Loaded. That's such a loaded comment. And then an offer just walks away, which I also don't think is a thing that would just happen. Like, she just kind of walks away in a very 
non-formal, semi-disrespectful kind of way. How much freedom do you have at this point? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it all seemed to... Uh, the whole formality of things seemed to be a little loose for me this episode. Yeah. Like, before, it was very tense and everything needed to be just on point. And now it seems like everybody... Maybe that's just how it's going at this point with how everything's going in the show that everyone's gotten so much more comfortable now that she's been there for a while that the formalities are just loosened naturally. But it just seemed odd to me that in this show overall, this episode specifically... She seemed to be, everybody seems to be a little less formal than what they were supposed to be. Maybe it's because so many more people are having sex. That's true. Well, loosens you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, to speak. Th- th- that's always been a big part of my theory why <laughs> I'm sure Serena Joy and the Commander are not having sex because uh, she is tense. She's super yes. tense. That's Holy why I'm shit. telling you, she was watching. She doesn't, she, yeah, totally she does watching. not get any. Nope. Uh, then she goes back to Offords in her room, I believe, is when she starts talking about how they didn't steal, they didn't take everything from uh, Ovglen, and that she looked invincible in that car. And she walks out to go to Nick's room, and she goes all by herself. And this is uh, when Take It Off by the Donna should have been playing when she walked in the door. Yeah, it should have. That would have been awesome. Because then she goes and has real sex with Nick. And I, I know I'm supposed to enjoy the fact that she's in charge of her sexuality and being empowered, but because I'm not into Nick, yeah, I'm thinking I he's getting good stuff out of this too, and I don't, I'm not interested in that, so I have very mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I mean, I felt like at least she is doing something um, of her own volition, you know, <laughs> for once. But, yeah, I was, I was just very lukewarm about Nick, like, well, you know, I guess he's having a good night. Like, it's... <laughs> He okay. wins too. I don't want him to win too. I'm not. I'm not that into him yet. Yeah. See, I think they've done a disservice to the character of Nick. But I also don't know. Compared in the book, he's not really that fully flushed out either. No. You know, so he, they are kind of sticking with that. But I wish they would give him a little more something. Like you just don't know. And I, I don't feel like I need some backstory so I can care about him. Well, the only thing that I did see that alluded to any kind of Nick anything was on the shelf or the dresser. When they were showing his record player and the gun, there was a picture that looked to be probably him and a brother, I would guess. They were, like, oh, sitting on the beach. I did not notice there that. There was, like, a, a picture in a frame on his dresser that wow. was him. It, I, you were, I guess, would think it was him and somebody else that appeared to be very close to his age. So either a brother or a friend or something. Um, so, yeah, there's got to be some story that they just need to flush that character out more. I just, I don't think people care about him enough. Or really have an idea of what's yeah, going he, on enough. If he was off on the next episode, I would not be bothered. But I now. also think that her having sex with him at the end of this episode also shows how she is just like, okay, I'm done giving a crap about yep. all of this. I'm going to go do what I want because She's out of fucks. Yeah, there's no fucks left all to out give. Of fucks. That's true. One of my favorite memes. Yes. Uh, and so the final song, which I did appreciate, is uh, the incomparable. I will say, Nina Simone. Sugar in my bowl, which is one of these songs that's like really old, and I always love hearing these when you analyze the lyrics of the older like jazz songs that you know back in that era weren't supposed to be so as overtly sexual. Yeah. And this song, if you read the lyrics, are just like give me some sugar in my bowl and all this stuff. It's fantastic. So it was a great way to end it, kind of on point with Raleigh what was going on in her head, trying to find some pleasure of her own by her own volition, by her own choice being empowered on her own for the first time I think yeah in years it's in the show time. at least you know if you don't count Scrabble anymore because clearly that's taking a turn yeah no 
So, uh, yeah, that wraps up episode five. And, again, I thought it was a good episode. I think the tone has changed in the last two. I think that's intentional, though. The first three were kind of supposed to give you a little more uh, feel for how things were and the danger of Gilead and the danger that these women are in all of the time. And now we've kind of settled into how everyone deals with that and going into the, as I said, people starting to get less and less formal and kind of revealing their true nature and true ways that they probably are because, you know, after a while, we kind of loosen things up in a relationship and that's kind of where we're at, I think, at this point, both good and bad with everyone. So, any other final thoughts from you guys? I don't think so. Bring on episode six. Yeah, and... Like I said last week, we don't get a, hey, here's what's coming um, yeah. from them. So it's uh, I kind of dig it because you don't really know what to expect. Like the teases on social media are Yeah, no, they so don't really give much away, which I think is kind of nice. It's like, you know, a looping three seconds right. of video with no audio or something like that. It's so, very, very stark. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with a little analysis of episode six. And you can find us on allconsumingcontent.com and on iTunes, and Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere that you uh, can find your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. We are Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. You can find us on Twitter at at handmaidpodcast. You can find us on Instagram as well, and on Facebook. On behalf of everyone here at the show, thanks, and we'll see you next week.